You know, to be honest with you, um, I, I have never really felt like I fitted in anywhere I went. I, I, I never felt like I fit in. When I, was, when I was a young person, I'm talking like Royal Ranger age, I always went to church when I was a kid. I, um, I always thought I, I should be in youth. I, I, just when I was with Royal Rangers, I was dying to get to youth. So whenever I got to youth, I looked around and said, man, people are immature. <laughs> Go figure, middle, middle school. And, and so I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I just need to go to adult service. And so for a lot of, lot of time in youth, I, I would crave to be mature. And then I, I got to be an adult and I was like, man, people are really immature. <laughs> uh, man, I need to be in the classic service. And, and I talked to Brother Perriman. Brother Perriman said, you need to go back to the adult service. <laughs> but I, everywhere I went, I, I just never felt like I fit in until I... I really understood what it was to be a part of, of the church. To be a part of the church. See, in high school, my, I didn't really have really good friends. My, my friends were always in the church. I, I always knew my neighbors and, and, and talked to my neighbors and was kind to my neighbors and they were good to me, but, but my friends, they were always in the church. And, and my family, I, I kind of fit in with my family, of course, but my family was in the church and they're part of the church. And I realized a common theme that ran through my life is that the only place that I felt like I fit in, the only place where I felt like I was loved and appreciated and the only place that I felt like I could serve and help and count was in the church. And I think that's what that's what God's plan was for our lives is that we would finally feel like we fit in. That, that we would feel like we join together and love each other, encourage each other and support each other and know each other because we're not from around here, are we? We feel like we fit in because we're a different people. That God has made us in our lives to fit on the solid rock of who He is and the confession of faith that we make, that He is the Son, a living God. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. On this rock. Turn to your neighbor say, on this rock. So as you turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 13. But before you get there, I want to give you some background to this text. See, Jesus had been doing a ton of ministry. He was healing the sick. He was, he was uh, uh, healing the lepers. He was uh, opening the eyes of the blind and causing the lame to walk. In fact, just, a, uh, just this past story uh, in Scripture, we find that he fed the 4,000, and that's not including the women and the children. And so he was at work within all these crowds and these multitudes, teaching and preaching and caring. He was, he was doing it all. He was pastoring. He was the visitation pastor. He was also, uh, he was the children's pastor. He, he invited the children to come to him and he would talk, teach the children and talk to the children. He was, he was so busy with ministry and these people loved it. These crowds would join together and it, they were, there were so many people that they didn't have a, a place big enough for everybody to s- sit. And so they would join together on the hillside and Jesus would roll, uh, row a little bit out on, onto the Sea of Galilee and be, began to speak to them out on the hillside where it was a natural amphitheater. And, and, and so they, they began to, 
to minister like nobody's business all throughout the, the area. And, and Jesus was kind of tired of it. Not of the people or the ministry, but physically tired, physically exhausted. I mean, if, like, think about this. If you're a group life leader and you're getting ready for group life tonight and there's 15 or 20 people about to come over to your house and you're getting the meal ready and you're planning and you're doing all this stuff, you're probably pretty busy and you're probably already tired of it before they even get there. So imagine how Jesus felt. And, and Jesus walked all the way while he was doing that. And, and if you're a girls ministry or a Royal Ranger uh, uh, commander, tonight you're getting ready this evening to uh, have a Royal Ranger girls ministry ceremony, award ceremony, and, and you're busy and you're doing that. And, and uh, you're in nursery right now and you're probably out there counting, in there counting, uh, uh, what, what is it, uh, Cheerios. You're counting Cheerios, giving them to the kids and cutting out crafts and, and, and signing people's names and telling people to stop eating glue. And, and if, if you're in the, uh, you're, the men's department, you're just coming off of a great uh, uh, service that we had, this conference that we had Friday and Saturday about the Holy Spirit. If you missed that, you missed something because we had a chance to really dive into the Word and learn about the Holy Spirit. So we see a lot of men that are only empowered right now by the Holy Spirit because they're so tired from being at, at church all weekend so far. And if you're, if you're in our legacy ladies, I mean, to be honest with you ladies, you, you never look tired. But I can't imagine you not being tired with all the tea you're drinking and all the Bible studies you're going to and all the prayer services that you're having. I mean, you guys do a lot. And our classics, and our, our classics, they, they always say that they're tired, but it's probably because they're constantly doing all these wonderful, awesome events. And, and then our greeters are probably the most tired of us all because they're standing there shaking hands and loving people and serving and going back and forth in the foyer and clocking like miles on their little, on their, their little steps on their watch and everything as much as they're walking around. And, and they're all from our classics. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're a young person, and I mean 50 and below, I want you to uh, go out to our classics and, and sign up to help greet It'd be nice, so nice to see somebody else to, to greet. Not because I don't like the classics and the way they look, but the classics, Miss Shirley is requesting that you help. That's what this is about. So anyway, we have 42 greeters. We need some more. We're, we're a greeting church. But as, as Jesus was tired of all this ministry, he needed some downtime. He needed some rest in his physical body. So he, he gathered his disciples said we need to get away from these crowds we need to go get out of uh, out of our our jewish surroundings and get into the gentile territory so that we can break free from these crowds and be alone for a little while he needed to uh, go and pray we we find in the synoptic gospels in luke that jesus needed to get away and pray and just be together with his disciples so in matthew we find that they decided to to walk over to caesarea philippi um, or a ski resort basically um, I, I mean, well, it, it's a ski resort now, okay? Mount Hermon is an Israeli ski resort, a beautiful place. In the summertime, it's lush and green, waterfall coming down, feeding into the Jordan out of a spring that comes out of Mount Hermon. 
And, and this area is gorgeous in the wintertime. It's snow-capped mountain that has all these ski runs, and it's just a gorgeous place to this day. But back then, it was, it was amazing. If you can imagine from the Roman and the Hellenistic periods filled with temples to all these different gods, and it was a place of uh, entertainment. It was a place of temple worship uh, to pagan gods. It was a place of tourism. And so it was like the Branson of the Middle East. It was, it's crazy out there. And, and what you find is, is that in this one location um, coming out of Mount Hermon was this huge cave. It was about 30 feet wide and 30 feet deep. And in front of this cave was a temple built to the god Pluto, the Roman god Pluto. He was the god of the underworld. It was a mysterious place in those days, because the spring actually came up out of the mountain, out of the cave, and ran down underneath the temple to Pluto. And it was so mysterious that they called it the entry or the gate to the underworld. So if you ever wanted to know where the gates of hell is, it's a real place, and it's right there in Caesarea Philippi. The real place, they called it the gates of hell. And Jesus, he was kind of a rule breaker and he, that didn't scare him off. He didn't get scared about that. In fact, he just needed to get away from the, from the Jewish crowds that were gathering around to hear his message. He was preaching and teaching and caring for people and he needed to get away and rest. I'm so glad that I serve at a church that understands the stress, the impact on a minister's life and the need to get away and pray and recover. And I know our pastor is appreciative right now of everybody understanding because uh, his, his, he might, might not be here, but his mind and his heart is here and he is ministering as much as he can from where he's at. He's calling people on the phone, encouraging them. You can take the pastor out of the church, but you can't take the church out of the pastor, amen? <laughs> And, and we love our pastor, and, and, and it, it, it just reminds me of Jesus here because he, Jesus just wanted to get away from the crowds. He needed to get away from the people. If you're in ministry, sometimes you know, well, my goodness, if you're just a person, you know you just need to get away from somebody sometime. You need to go rest. We find that he, Jesus needed to go pray. That's where we pick up on our text in just a few moments. You see, because these people... They heard about Jesus. Word was traveling from all over the place that Jesus was a healer. But what they they didn't know, they didn't understand was Jesus was the healer. See, they knew that Jesus was a teacher, but what they didn't know is that Jesus wrote the book. They they heard that he was able to feed the 4,000 and he would feed the 5,000, but they didn't know that he was the bread of life. See, they, they heard that he was able to teach and communicate the law in an extraordinary way, but he, they didn't know that he was exalted to be the, the, the judge of all eternity. See, Jesus, he, he didn't help, need help being marketed. He drew all people to himself. And he was drawing these crowds to himself, but, but see, they didn't, they didn't know who he was. They heard a lot about him. They heard about all these things. They heard about the miracles. They heard about the entertainment. They were curious about it, but, but they didn't know who Jesus was. And to be honest with you, that was okay with Jesus. He was okay with the ambiguity because it wasn't their time to know yet, but it was somebody's time to know. See, he had to take the disciples out of that situation, out of that crowd so that he could train his disciples because it was in this moment, in this time, when he, he went away from from the, the, 
the culture of the Jews and went into the Gentile area and region that he changed his ministry over from a crowd-oriented ministry to, to pouring in and preaching to his disciples and training them so that they would know in a better way who he was and be prepared for what was about to occur. So Jesus pulled them out. He was going to tell them about it. You know how it is whenever you hear new stuff about things. You know how that is. You hear about a restaurant and you want to try it. <laughs> I need to go to it. I need to try that restaurant. You know how it is whenever you go see a doctor and, and, and you got to tell your friend, man, you need to go see this doctor. He gave me some stuff. It fixed me up right straight in a hurry. I don't know what stuff that you're taking, but you need to watch out about that stuff. Anyway, you go, somebody tells you about a movie that's coming out, Overcomer, and you just got to see it. All these things you heard, you heard, you heard. And these people heard, 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 and they were curious. They were thronging, the Bible says, around Jesus. But, but he had to tell his disciples and reveal himself in a powerful way to the disciples. That's when our, our text comes alive this morning, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Why, uh, Who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Let's stop right there for a moment. Don't think for just a, a moment that Jesus didn't know what the crowds were saying about him. They were all around him. He heard what they were saying, but he wanted to find out what the disciples have been hearing. This morning, I want you to know that, that everybody that you're around, whether you go to work or you go to church or you go and, and your neighbors and your friends, and every, everybody that you're around has an opinion about who Jesus is. There's not one person out there that, that, that doesn't have an opinion about who he is. Some think he's a good guy, and he is. Some think that he's a good teacher, and he is. Some think that he's a good leader, and he is. Some think that he is a crazy man, and he is not. But that's their opinion. And everybody around us has an opinion about who Jesus is. They did back then, and they do today. And Jesus knows it. It doesn't come by a surprise. He knows that there are opinions about him. But see, Jesus, he's not quite satisfied. See, because of the dis- answers that the disciples give him, they say, so they say, said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And Jesus hears this, and the disciples, they think that they're being complimentary to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you can't. You are going to be blown away. They think that you're John the Baptist. This is amazing, Jesus. You're doing so good. Jesus, they think you're Jeremiah. They think that you're an Old Testament big name prophet from way back then that has come back. You're, you're the next best prophet, Jesus. See, Jesus wasn't satisfied with who they said he was. He he, he didn't care. See, Jesus always brings things down to a personal level, on the level of, of, of you and I, what, what, what we think. And so Jesus comes back and he said to them, he clarifies his statement. He says, but who do you say that I am? See, when we read this passage in the Greek, we find out that the Greek, they reorder the order of the sentence. They put the, the subject, the most important word in the first part of the sentence. And so when you read it, you, you hear this, you who do you say that I am? 
Who do you say that I am? I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about them anymore. I'm talking about you. Who do you say that I am? I can picture this. The disciples just looking at each other like, oh, you're about to take this one, not me. Mm-mm. I already threw out Jeremiah. That was the best I could do. And Peter being the one that always seemed to open his mouth and stick his foot in and wiggle his toes a little bit. He, he says this. He just throws it out there. He says, okay. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. See, he, he echoed what just happened just a little while earlier while they were on the Sea of Galilee. They were rowing, the storm was going and, and Jesus calmed the storms and they looked around, they were amazed and they worshiped him. They had seen that he had control of the wind of the waves. They had seen all the miracles. They had seen all this stuff occur around him, but, but they were still hesitant. You, you're the son You're the son of the living God. And this was Peter's confession of faith to him. Notice Jesus, he always makes things personal. He makes things personal. See, Peter's name was Simon at that time. His name was Simon. And Jesus answered and said to him in verse 17, Blessed are you Simon Bar-Jonah, or Simon son of Jonah, That's his father. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. See, if you really want to know who Jesus is, if you want to experience who he is, you want to experience the blessing of being in relationship with Jesus, you don't have to get better. You don't have to just feel better. You don't have to talk yourself into it. You don't, it's not about opening up and reading the word as much as possible. All you have to do is ask. Ask. And the Bible says that he will reveal himself to you in a new and powerful way, a way that opens your mind and opens your heart to receive something that you couldn't comprehend with your mind. But in some way, it circumnavigates your intellect and speaks directly to with the fiber, the core of who you are. You might be sitting here this morning and you, it's been a long time since you felt joy or peace. It's been a long time since you felt the love of God bubbling up inside of you, that joy that you used to sing about in your kid when you were a kid. It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling within my soul. I'm singing, I'm shouting. Since Jesus made me whole, folks don't understand it. And it's been a long time since you've experienced that in your heart and your life. But I want you to know this morning that you should not walk out of this room without experiencing that again, over and over again, renewing your life and your commitment to the Lord and Savior and Master. And He will reveal Himself to you. He said He would. He'll reveal Himself to you. See, God can show you more in 10 minutes down here in the altar than, than any preacher ever thought about sharing 10 hours worth of sermons. Don't be afraid this morning. That's not going to happen. I'm about to run out of material. But I want you to know this morning, you don't have to be scared. You don't have to come to God and beg and plead and just hope that you can make things right. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already made it right. And all you have to do is come and make a confession of faith. Jesus.
You are the Lord. You're the Lord. You're the Lord. And you'll be blessed for it. I promise you. But now we're getting to the main passage of Scripture I want to deal with this morning. Verse 18, it says, And I also say to you, this is is Jesus speaking, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Do you remember what Peter's name was? Simon. Simon. See, Simon, it actually meant he has heard. He has heard. That's Simon. He has heard. See, Jesus was renaming Simon in a different, in a a unique way. Simon went from somebody that had heard about Jesus, that had heard about all the miracles, that had seen all this stuff happen around him, that that had been with Jesus in time but didn't understand stuff. But now Simon finally understood who Jesus was and he got a new name. He got a new name and now Simon's name is Petros, meaning little rock in the Greek. He said, Simon, you maybe have heard all this stuff, but now you're a part of this stuff. You're a little stone. And with this little stone who you are, I'm going to set it on this foundation of the confession of faith that you've made, that I am the son of the living God. And on this rock, I will build my church. I want you to get this picture in your mind right now. They're standing right about where all those temples were surrounded at the base of Mount Hermon. And they're having this conversation. Rocks all around them. This was no mystery to Peter. He was following what Jesus was saying. And, he, and I can just picture Jesus pointing at him and saying, Simon, you're a little rock. But on this rock, not Mount Hermon, but on the bedrock of the confession of faith that you're making, I'm going to build my church. My church. Well, I want you to see something that just underneath that base of Mount Hermon were the gates of hell. And Jesus was going to build his church over the bedrock of foundation of the confession of faith and the gates of hell could not and would not prevail. You see, it's it's amazing whenever I read this because Jesus began to speak here as, as God spoke in the Old Testament. See, whenever he says, my church... He's actually saying, my ecclesia. That's the Greek word that that means church. But it actually is better translated back into the Hebrew as the people of God. We find that God speaks and he claims his people back in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. He says, this is God speaking. I will take you as my people, my people, and I will be your God. And Jesus is saying the exact same thing. The church is going to be my people and I'm going to be their God. And we read and we see that the gates of hell, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. You see that picture, you get that picture of the gates of Hades being right there and the bedrock is right there and and it's just an incredible, incredible visual when you see it. See, whenever I used to read this passage of Scripture, I've got to be honest with you, I used to think that, that hell was, was, was storming against the church. That if we stayed in the church, if we stayed 
connected in the church, if we never missed a Sunday, if we always did exactly what we're supposed to, if we, if we always just were, were just prayerful and we just stayed together and we, we were scared, but if we just stayed together, that hell would not mess us up too bad. <laughs> it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't destroy us. Yeah, we'd get some knocks, we'd get some bruises along the way, but we'd, we'd finally make it out. We'd be okay, you just watch. But see, that's not the picture that Jesus is painting. It's not, the, it's not the image that Jesus is standing behind. See, Jesus is saying the gates of Hades, the gates of hell are stationary. They're right there. They're not moving. And we're the soldiers and the, we're the ones that are storming the gates. It's not going to prevail against us. Some of us have been scared about the situation and the dangers that surround us. But I want you to know this morning that we don't have to be scared of the danger. No, we are the danger against hell. It's the confession of faith that we make that on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. That hell has to be scared of us. Some of you have been praying for your grandchildren and your children because Satan has taken them out of the kingdom of God. But it needs, hell needs to be the one worried because we're going to advance his kingdom and retake those lives for Christ. Some of you are, have been praying because you've been sick in your bodies. But it's hell that needs to be scared because you're about to be healed in the name and the power of Jesus by his Holy Spirit. Some of us have been wrenched trying to... Figure out the next decision or make the next right turn. But I want you to know this morning that he is our leader. He is our guide. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be afraid because we are walking in the path of righteousness. We are the ones that are storming hell. Hell is not storming us. Come on, somebody. You're about to get your testimony this morning. You're about to get a testimony. Yes, the storms are all over us. Yes, we're in a battle. Yes, it hurts. Yes, you're going through pain. But you don't have to be scared about it. Because in the next sentence, Jesus says this, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. When you read the scripture, you find out in the Greek what... what what it really is saying is, he said, whatever is already bound in, in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever is already bound in, uh, whatever is already loose in heaven will be re- loosed on earth. Jesus is saying, walk close to me. Know me, love me, and you will begin to understand what my will is. And you can begin to proclaim my will in your life. And you will have authority over all these things that you see whenever you begin to speak my words into your situation. This morning, there's somebody that needs to hear that because you've been saying, oh me, oh my, everything is coming against me. I I, I can't control it. I don't know where the next blow is going to happen, but I want you to know that God has given you the authority granted to Jesus to control all these things in our lives when we have faith and put our trust and hope in Him. When we make Him our firm foundation. But see, Jesus, He knew he, He wasn't given to the keys to the kingdom and all this authority and all this stuff to somebody that has already perfect, that knew how to run and do all these things. He, he knew that. He, Jesus knew it was more like giving the keys to your 15 and a half year old driver. Think about that. Because you read in just a few verses later, Jesus takes them by that mountain and says, by the way, 
Not only am I the Son of God, but I'm about to die. You can imagine. They just find out that Jesus is the Messiah. They, they figure it out. Jesus admits to it. And now Jesus says He's going to die. And Peter, in all his wisdom and all his understanding, because he understands everything. He sees God's plan better than, than, than we see God's plan. He sees this and he says, he says, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. <laughs> Mm-mm. Not over my, over my dead body, Jesus. I'm not going to let nothing happen to you. Jesus, I'm a soldier. Je- Jesus, I've been reading your word and I just know it. Je- Jesus, I, I, I'm positive that, that what you just said is not re- reality here. Jesus. Jesus. Come on now. Well, we read in verse 23, but he, meaning Jesus, turned to him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but things of man. Here, Peter, the little rock that just received the keys to the kingdom, and he's blessed because he knows that Jesus is the Messiah, is all of a sudden called Satan and become a stumbling block to Jesus. He's not perfect. He didn't know everything. And if Satan is bold enough to put that little doubt into Peter's mind and be able to tempt the Lord our God. Don't you think that he's bold enough to put something in your mind, in your heart, no matter how good your intentions are and how good you feel about what your advice was to your friend? Come on, somebody. If you are not reading in his word and walking closely with him in your life, if you don't know him, if you're not praying in the spirit and filled with his understanding, if you're not working in wisdom, if you're not, if you're not trusting in him and depending upon him every day of your life, don't you think for a moment that Satan is going to take advantage of that? Begin to use you to operate. No matter how many times you go to church, no matter what kind of miracles you've been seeing, no matter what kind of revelation you just got from the Lord, if you're not depending on Him each and every moment, Satan can use you just like he used Peter. That's why we have to stay connected to Him. And come on, Christians, whenever I think of the times that as we as Christians have gone to somebody that is not in the church, that is of the world, to ask for advice. And what a shame that we are trusting the decisions that we make with our life to people that don't care anything about the word and about what his will is for our life. Come on, we got to stop asking Google to answer our problem. We need to start asking God to answer our problem in the name of Jesus. Let's turn things around, Christians. Let's make Christ the rock. Let's make him the center of who we are. Let's depend upon him for the answers in our life. And he said he'll guide us. He'll lead us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. But, but we read down, we know all that. We know that scripture. But the next statement, Proverbs makes, verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Peter should have known this. Simon should have known this. The disciples should have known this. But how many times do we know something, but just we just don't operate in it? We need, we need to remind ourselves to be dependent upon Him and His Word. 
We need to remind ourselves that we are not the end-all, be-all. Just because we've been saved, sanctified, redeemed, we've been born again and washed in the blood, and we, we can operate in faith and all kinds of spiritual gifts and spiritual empowerments, yet we can still fall and fail when we do not depend upon him. Somebody need to hear that this morning. See, Peter understood that finally. We find out in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's your enemy. That's your enemy. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not the person sitting on the other side of the congregation. <laughs> That's the enemy, the devil. It's the accuser of the brethren. We've got to stop trying to fight all these other people. We've got to stop trying to blame our misunderstandings, our problems, our situations on all these other people. It's Satan that wants to wreck us. It's the spiritual dark forces. It's the powers of the principalities that wage war against the kingdom of heaven. But I want to remind you in the name of Jesus that we have the victory if you go to Christ's legacy. No? We have the victory if you go to the Classics Bible study. No? We have the victory if you're in the worship band. That's the best worship band in the whole entire world. They're good, but nope. We have the victory when our life is based on the solid rock of the confession of our faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and everything else is trash. Everything else is sinking sand. Everything else will get us lost and take us down the wrong path. Even good intentions. Young person, middle-aged person, old person, every person. It doesn't matter who you are, what you know. It matters who you know this morning. Who do you know this morning? Because that enemy is smarter than you. But he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world.